Everybody say this Wednesday. This Wednesday, Tim Timmons is coming to town. This is one of our favorite guys on the whole planet. We got to go to Israel with him, uh, just hang out. He did the music while we were in, in Israel. And Tim, you've heard him on K-Love. Um, he's, he's just great. And, but the reason I'm bringing Tim in is because he has a podcast. And the podcast is called 10,000 Minutes, which is really kind of what we're doing in this series we're in. He was unable to come in October due to flight cancellations, and now we're uh, bringing him in for November, which is going to be Wednesday, first Wednesday, Tim Timmons. And we're going to sit down and have this conversation. He's going to play a little bit of music, songs that you know, and uh, it's going to be a great Wednesday. Um, There's a heat wave taking place Wednesday. It's going to be all the way up to 53 degrees. And um, it's just a great time to come together. The youth groups are coming in. There'll be food trucks here. But this Wednesday's Tim Timmons. Please come. He's, he's fantastic. He's great. We're going to give him a proper cowboy hat when he comes down here. And, uh, but the, the next one is, I have one more announcement. We have our end of the year offering coming up in a couple weeks, November 12th and 13th. It's really that moment that if you haven't prayed, you need to. If you have been praying, I would suggest this. Whatever it is that God told you to do for this end of the year offering, this is our one time a year, one offering in the whole year that we honor God with all the kingdom things that he's wanting to do through us. We honor him with this financial giving moment. And I would like for you to go ahead and write the check out, okay? And this is what our family does. And we put it on the dining room table or we put it on the island or the bar or whatever and and. Before we go to bed every night, we gather around and we pray over it. And we pray that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that God would use this, bless our church, take us to where you want us to go, the highways and the byways. And Lord, just... Talk to everybody else about what they're supposed to do as well. This is a, this is a thing we do every year. And so I, I turn to you guys and just let you know we're a couple weeks away. You, you should be knowing kind of what you want to do. And if we all do what God tells us to do, we'll all be doing what God tells us, told us to do. It's that easy. And I can't wait to see what God does this year. A couple weeks away, number 12th and 13th, the end of the year offering, and it's our uh, that one time a year we honor God in the offering of our very best. That's so cool. Y'all ready for today? We're in a series at Cowboy Junction called 10,000 Minutes. And we have been jumping in and out from learning how to be a good neighbor to uh, what, it, what does the Bible say about our bodies. And today's message is a, one that I'll get to here in a minute But this 10,000 minutes is based on you have 10,080 minutes in a week. Now, what we assume is that you spend 80 minutes in church, which means that we spend 10,000 minutes out there living our life. And it begins to make us ask some questions like, what should I be doing more of? What should I be doing less of? Where should I be going? Where should I not be going? What should I be doing? And we can get into the whole do or don't do, and that's not what this series has been about. In fact, we've been asking a question. What would it look like instead of doing life for Jesus, what would it look like if we did life with Jesus? 
And it's really two completely deals, two separate deals. It's this work-based mentality versus a relationship life with Jesus. And so we've been breaking down this idea of what would it be, what would it look like to be a good neighbor with Jesus? And what would it be like to have our bodies be with Jesus? And we talked about that. And this week, I'm going to talk to you about something very, very important. In fact, it's the root of really who you are. Today, we're going to be talking about your soul. Your soul. And your your soul is kind of one of those things that some people don't know how to describe what your soul is. But can I turn to you, before, before you had a body, before you had a spirit, before you had a neighbor, you had a soul. And your soul was known by God. It's who you are. It's every perfect little beginning of the God fingerprint in your life. And it's your soul. And then you've been given a body. And then this body goes and lives. And your soul is very important to talk about. And the Bible has a lot to say about your soul and your spirit. And next week we'll talk about the difference between the two. But today I want to talk to you about your soul. It's the who you really are. Okay? And now I want to show you what Jesus has to say about your soul. And then we'll get to talking about it. Okay? Jesus says this. What will it profit a man? What will it profit a woman? What will it profit a person? If, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. Think about that sentence for a minute. What, what would it profit you if you got everything you wanted and it cost you your soul? What if, what if, you, what if you went after everything you thought would satisfy at the expense of your soul. And we aren't taught from a young age the, the absolute protection and the absolute honesty that we need for our soul. And, and look at the next sentence. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And most people don't think about this verse, but it's very eye-opening. If you got everything you ever wanted, if you got every relationship you wanted, if you got all the money you could ever want, if you had the land, the house, if you had everything you could ever want that you thought was going to be the thing that brought the it factor in your life, to only get to the end and realize it's not what you thought it was, and it doesn't give you what you thought it would, and you now have everything, what would it cost to buy your soul back from the one who gave it all to you? And you could turn and say, I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. And the person, the, the thing, the deity holding your soul now turns to you and says, no, I know what this is worth. And, and you got that. And I have this. Well, what, what, what shall a man give to get your soul back? And this is an eye-opening scripture I thought would be amazing to read at the beginning of today's message. And as I prepared this message, looking at what would it look like to walk with Jesus with your soul. I wanted to kind of wake us up to the idea and the reality that your soul matters. 
Each one of you is given a soul. If you're watching right now on our online campus, you have a soul. And it matters to Jesus, and he wants to teach you by walking with you in how you live in your soul and how it affects your body and how your spirit and your life. And as I prepared for this, I realized when we start talking about your soul, it's as deep as it is wide. And let me, let me show you some of the things I found just preparing for this message. And then we're going to get in the message. But some of you need to hear what your soul really needs, okay? This is going to be a list of just what the Bible says your soul needs. And some of you don't even realize it. Number one. One of the things you're going to find in Scripture is that our bodies are to be sacred. And your soul needs your body to be sacred. You, you're taking your body to places that's really affecting your soul. You've stepped into relationships that have wounded your soul. You have seen things, experienced things, heard things that have broken your soul. And, and your soul, Scripture tells us, and we covered a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, but it, it needs your body to be sacred. Another thing you find, it's a great message, could be a message, your soul craves an intimacy with God. And, and intimacy is kind of a word that we, we I, I mean talking about uh, a one-on-one, face-to-face. The Greek word is quorum deo, with God. Your soul longs to be in the presence of God. Your soul, your soul needs honesty. It's an amazing study that in Scripture, lies to be lied to hurts your soul. Your soul can't breathe with dishonesty. Your soul can't grow with dishonesty. Your soul can't mature without pure honesty. And, and when you begin to dive into Scripture and to see what it says, it says the soul requires honesty. Your soul wants everything to be pulled out. Your soul wants the light to shine in. It wants the darkness to flee. It wants honesty. But we too often give our soul dishonesty. We're not honest to other people and we're not honest with ourselves. But something else you begin to say when you find what your soul needs, your soul longs to be loved. And that's not a bad thing. Your soul longs for somebody to love it. For some of you have experienced it. And, and, and it's made you better at loving people. Your soul not only wants to be loved, but it wants to love others. And, and it's scary because you're fighting it with all of your heart because you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've heard things about people, you've seen too much on Instagram. But honestly, the Bible says your soul longs to be loved and your soul longs to love people. Your soul, your soul is called to a life of purpose. Your soul loves adventure. Your soul longs to see cool, wonderful things. Your soul wants your life 
to be able to get to the end of it and know that you lived a good life. Your soul knows that there's a God plan for your life. Your soul knows that God puts you together with his handiwork. And you were born with gifts and talents and abilities, and few people find them except those who allow God to look at their soul. Your soul, your soul needs rest. And as much as we can say, I want to go, I want to see, I want to do, your soul also requires rest. It must rest. The way that your God rested, your soul must take a time out and unplug. Unplug from everything and be still. I could preach on any one of these today, but it wouldn't get us what we needed. I'm thinking about doing a series in January called uh, To Be Soul Conscious. And, uh, and to have a, how do you replenish your soul? But I don't think we're going to know what we're really talking about if we don't get down to the one thing that I want to talk to you about today in your 10,000 minutes outside of this room with Jesus in regards to your soul, today's message only has one point. When you go to work tomorrow and they're asking you at the water uh, faucet, you know, I go, what? Did you go to Cowboy Junction? You go, yeah, we went yesterday. And they go, what did I preach on? You, you, you only have one thing to remember. Isn't this great? One point, one thing to remember. But this one thing is the thing. It's the habit to safeguard your soul. It's the one thing that if, before we get anything else going, rest, fulfillment, being loved, all these things, before we get there, there's one thing that we have to talk about. And I want to be really honest with you. Are you ready? This will be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. And you're not going to like me after I tell you. I've been pastoring for 25 years. And I have not had one person ever after I told them what I'm about to tell you in regards to your soul ever go, gosh, I needed to hear that. Thank you. Can I, can I give you some stuff? And I'm going to talk a little bit more at the end. I've lost friends because of what I'm about to tell you. I've had people quit the church because of what I'm about to tell you. I have had people just say, forget that. I'm going to go do it myself. And they go, they go do it their way. I, I can give you names. I'm going to give you some people's names. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to give you their names. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you is the habit, the thing, the secret sauce in your soul being with Jesus. Are you ready? I, I don't think you are. No, no, I don't think, I really don't think you are. I mean, you can amen me all you want. But you, you must surrender your will. For your soul to finally have peace, for your soul to finally have rest, for your soul to finally find joy, for your soul to finally be loved and to love, for your soul 
to finally step into the life of our Savior Jesus Christ, you must surrender your will. And now, and now can you see why people have walked out of my office? Can you see why people have thought this Christian thing is the dumbest thing in the whole world? Can you see how people would go, well, that's not what preacher so-and-so said and preacher so-and-so said. They said if I did this, I'd get this. And if I did this, I'd get this. And if I, got, if I did this, I'd get this. And you're telling me that I've got to surrender my will? No, I'm not telling you anything. Now, let's take a look at Scripture. Let's take a look at what Romans has to say. And here in Romans, you have this incredible moment to where the, the author of Romans has been writing and encouraging about what he's seen, how it's not good, about how we have religion that is building our own kingdoms. You have people who want their own way. You have people building their own will, their own desires, and they are miserable. They're blaming God. They're, 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 they're looking at a work-based work mentality, meaning that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for God to love me, instead of a, a grace-based, meaning he loves you already, and we're going to see that in here. And, and he stops everything, and he says this. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to break it down. I beseech you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And there's more. But look at this. I beseech. We don't use that word very often. It sounds like somebody sneezed. But I beseech you, meaning that I urge you, brothers, 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 those wanting to do 10,000 minutes and you're weak with Jesus, I ask you to lean into this. I ask you to look closer at this. You've tried everything else. Jet skis didn't do it. The, the, the house in the mountains didn't do it. The vacations didn't do it. All the things didn't do it. The, the people didn't do it. The hurt, she didn't do it. He didn't do it. Kids dang sure didn't do it. But I beseech you, lean in, lean in, lean in. Brethren, by the mercies of God, meaning before we step into this painful part, let's remember the goodness that our God is. You've tried to earn God's love by performing to get him to love you. But can I remind you that the mercies of God says, I loved you when you were a dirty, rotten, sorry sucker. I loved you before you even knew I existed. I, I'm your father. I crafted you. I made you. I sent my son for you so that you could know life everlasting and you didn't have to earn it. It's the mercies of God that even though we don't deserve God's best, he gives it anyway. And let's not forget, before we get to the part of surrendering our will, can we remember how good our God is? The mercies of God that you present you give up. You lay down your bodies. You know what your bodies mean here? Everything. That you present everything. It all belongs. Lay it down. 
your bodies as a living sacrifice. And to us, we don't really understand this word, a sacrifice, okay? You, you, you sacrifice something. But, but they knew full well who he was referring to. They've seen sacrifices. They've seen the lambs being cut in half and laid on the altars. They've seen the bulls being cut in half and laid on the altars. They've seen the doves being cut in half and laid on the altars. Surely he doesn't mean us. And he says, yeah, don't forget how good God is, that our lives, everything, our will should be a sacrifice laid on the altars, wholly acceptable to God. Which is your, and this is what, think about this. This is your reasonable, reasonable service. This doesn't surprise heaven. This, this doesn't surprise people in the room who have actually done this in their life. Who and I was saying, this is going to be hard to hear. This is going to be impossible for some. This is going to make you want to hate me. You're not going to like me after today's message. And when I said you've got to lay down your will, there are people in the room that go, yep, you do. He is right. I fought it, I fought it, I fought it. And he is absolutely right. It is our reasonable service. I would never knew love until I finally laid my life down. I never knew relationship until I laid my life down. I never knew peace, joy. I never knew fulfillment. I never knew the presence of God. I never knew all the things that I know now until I finally hit the point to where I had to lay it all down. And it was so good to my soul. He doesn't just start talking about this in Romans chapter 12. He actually starts talking about this in Romans chapter 6. And look what he says. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Meaning, once you lay it down, sin has no more control over you. There's not this uh, battle going on inside of your soul anymore. There's no longer a battle between the flesh and the spirit and it's taking a toll on your soul. It is now. I am dead to my mind, my will, my emotions. I lay it down at the feet of Jesus. <sighs> there is no battle anymore. I've died to myself, died. Uh, let's go back to Romans chapter 12. We just read verse 1. What does it say in verse 2? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that, and listen to these words, good and acceptable and perfect 
will of God. It is the reasonable service that you lay your will down and it is good, it is acceptable, and it is the perfect will of God that you will receive. Listen, listen, I don't know how you showed up this morning, but this 10,000 minutes walking out this room and learning how to live life with Jesus. What if I turned to you today and said, you need more rest? You'd go, I do need more rest. But, but your will would kick up and you would go, eh, I can sleep when I die. Have you ever heard that one before? Yeah, I can sleep when I die. And you're going to do whatever you want to do. It's like rest. I heard my preacher talk about that. And, and yet, but he doesn't have the boss I got. And he's not making the amount of money I'm, not, I'm, I'm making. And, and, and he doesn't have the responsibilities I got. He's, he's just a preacher. <laughs> he's just a pastor. You know, and, 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 and you're going to be another one of those folks that, why do you even need God? You're going to do whatever you want to. And there will be a day in the future you pay the price for what you do. It doesn't matter. Your money, you're going to do whatever you want to with it. You're, when it comes to your marriage, you're going to continually fight and argue because both strong-willed people are battling their strong will against the other strong will. And marriage is going to be miserable and you're going to go, you're just going to go to the next one because the first 10 years seem to be fine. But after 10, and then I know there's people in the room just thinking, you know, we should just put that in most marriage vows. I promise to be faithful and surrender to you for 10 years. And then after 10 years, we'll negotiate on whether we should just move on or whether we should find somebody or we should be together. Don't write that down. You're going to battle people. You're going to battle life. And at the end, here's what's going to happen. You will one day turn and say, I cannot think of anything I've ever experienced from God. I, I, I believe he rose from the dead. I believe that he's real. But other than that, I just want to make sure I'm going to heaven. But my whole life, I've never seen God do anything. And it wasn't God's fault. You understood salvation, but you never knew the death that comes with salvation. And what ends up coming out of laying your life down is all the things, the promises of God that satisfy the soul. And most don't have the patience for it the desire for it. But there could be somebody in the room today that doesn't it just make sense. You're wanting everything God gives, but it's your surrender of your will that you just can't do. And I've been there. Listen to me. You must surrender your will. You must surrender your will. And it's not my idea. Jesus said these words. He said, if anyone 
desires to come after me. If anyone desires to do life with your soul with me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. I know you wouldn't like this. And at the same time, you know it to be true. How often do I have to lay my life down? Daily. Daily. For me, I am not naturally gifted towards this. This is not my nature. I have dreams, I have wants, I have desires, I have, I have this, I have this. Man, you know how nice it would be for someone to quote me instead of Stephen Furtick? You suckers, like, like, like you come up to me, hey, did you hear what Stephen Furtick said the other day? I'm like, did you hear what I said the other day? There's all kinds of battles going on inside of me. I don't feel valued. I just don't feel worth. I don't feel loved. I want to love. I want to. And at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, did you die today, Ty? Like, that's the point. I'm not supposed to die. I'm doing God's work. I'm doing God's work. I thought I was supposed to be doing life with Jesus. So my every morning consists of taking up my cross, dying to my will, my emotions, my desires, daily, and following him. And you know how much peace this has brought in my life. I love you guys a lot more when I die to my flesh. I love my wife. I'm a lot better husband when I die. I follow Jesus. I'm a lot better dad when I die and I follow Jesus. In my dying time, my CrossFit gym opens at 5. I'm up at 4.10. I leave a little bit earlier than I used to so I can go sit in the parking lot. And in the parking lot, I turn the truck off. Some days I just listen to worship music. And, and the words I use sound something like this. Y'all ready? My Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, give me this day my daily bread. And forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Lord, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. For thine is the kingdom, the what we do, the power, how we're going to do it, and the glory, who we do it for, forever and ever. Amen. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me so that I can choose your path everlasting. 
And in my mornings at 4.45 in the morning to, to, to 5 o'clock when everybody gets there at the, at the gym, I'm in the parking lot and I am just praying. And I've been reading Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, my utmost for his highest. And it is a hard book to read because it's constantly pounding on the death that has to take place in us, the death to my will, the crucifixion of my will to see the life. And God has never let me down has never let me down. And it is a daily thing. Luke continues and, and he writes what Jesus said after he said, it was daily, daily do this. He says, Jesus is saying, for whoever desires to save his life, if you desire to save your life, if you desire to build your kingdom, you'll end up losing everything. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. No preacher can preach this good enough. Billy Graham couldn't preach this enough for you to understand it. If you're sitting here today and you'd say, I don't get this, it's only from the Holy Spirit that you're going to understand it. And so if this is a struggle to understand, maybe in your secret place tomorrow, you should say, God, I want to surrender my will but I don't know how. And he will show you. Jesus continues and says, for what profit is it to a man? Does this sound familiar? We read it in Matthew, but it's also in Luke. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Your heart was created before anything else. Your heart, your soul. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to bring his reality, not our reality. But I want to warn you that that every one of us in this room has the potential to become someone that we would hate. Every one of us. Every one of us in this room has the potential to become someone that we would despise someday. So what's the secret? The secret is, is that we've got to learn how to die to our flesh. We've got to learn how to die to our will. We have to surrender our will. God, not my will, but yours be done. God, not my will, but yours be done. And if you're like anybody else, you're navigating, yeah, but what am I supposed to have hopes and dreams and beliefs for? Die to your will and let him show you your will. And you will never be disappointed. But I want to warn you again. It's a warning that I really want to emphasize. God will continue to nudge you in this area. God will continue to nudge you to the point that it will annoy you. Everywhere you go, someone will be saying, you've got to die to your will. You've got to die to your will. And and you're either going to make God your enemy or you're finally going to surrender everything so that he can be and provide everything 
that he says he will. When he nudges you, I, 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 you're going to find that there's a side of you that should have been addressed a long time ago. You have deceived yourself in some areas and you've deceived people in other areas. And when you're finally honest, it's going to get expensive. It's going to get expensive as you begin to see the Holy Spirit show you things that you are going to be embarrassed. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to get angry. And it's going to get messy. I'm telling you the truth. I know you may think I'm exaggerating. I have done this for 25 years. And the battle for my will has been the biggest battle in my life. And it's also been the biggest victory of my life. I don't carry the weight. I carry the joy. I'm a better employee. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better friend. Because my will has been surrendered. In your adventure in this, the more that you surrender your will, I have lost some of the best friends because advice won't fix you. Counseling finally won't fix. It heals. It helps. It still comes down to if you want to walk with Jesus and your soul have life, you have to surrender your will. You will get mad. You get angry. And the question comes up is why does God do it like this? Why does God ask you to surrender your will? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And you were made to be loved. And you were also made to love. And your life may feel like you're in damaged control. And the reality is no one really knows who you are. And you don't even know who you are anymore. But your heavenly father keeps nudging you. And keeps nudging you out of your hiding place and into the light. Don't run from it. Embrace it. And surrender your will. See, last week I gave you pumpkins. And this week we step back into the Word. Down deep you know this is exactly what he's telling me to do. This is 10,000 minutes with Jesus with your soul. Surrender your will. Father God, today I pray for this crew. And I pray for your word, your way, your truth, your life. Father God, you know selfishness is a terrible master. 
Selfishness is a terrible master. And I come against that selfishness that wants to hold on to our will, emotions, ways, future, where real life is when we surrender to you. I pray for every marriage that's just been, it's just been war, but it's because selfishness is a terrible master in two people's lives. And life has been confusing and headlines, headlines terrify us. And Instagram posts terrify us and it makes us worry and it makes us scared and it makes us put up walls and defense. And we start thinking about protection and, and, and the joy is gone. But it's because selfishness is a terrible master. And we realize I've got to die to my will. I have to surrender my will. And when we do, we see the opportunities around us to love people. We see the opportunity to be loved by people. We see the opportunities around us that you provide that say, do not be, do not be fearful. I'm your God. And you protect us and you love us. And Jesus, today I pray that this message, even as we go back and listen to it again, would open our soul up to everything you want it to be as we surrender to you. As we surrender to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, the band's going to just play. They're just playing in the background right now. We're going to sing a song here in a minute. But what's God revealing to you? of that old song, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. You've been trying to figure out how to fix it. No one ever taught you how to live like this. So now you have a choice. Do you live life based on people who just covered their soul? Or do you let the creator of your soul show you how to surrender, to experience life more abundant? And I pray that you would choose that one.